This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. And you're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for July 3rd, episode 2469, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. Happy 4th of July, everybody. Hey, Horse World. It's Friday. When I get off of work on Friday. Everybody's favorite day of the week on Horses in the Morning. That's right, it is Friday, and uh, it is the 4th of July tomorrow, which means, you know what I've seen popping up on my Facebook page from all the horse people in the country? Um, Something about fireworks? Yes, that is absolutely correct. It is that time of the year when horse people whine incessantly about fireworks in the neighborhood. Do you have that problem in your neighborhood? Uh, I, you know, and I meant to tell everybody about this I learned it last year by trying to prepare Groot for the thoroughbred makeover. And it was the most successful July 4th ever because I was trying to prepare Groot for, and by the way, yes, there's a bunch of big old rednecks with a bunch of- I figured you live in Oklahoma. (laughs) So so what I did was I I was trying to get Groot to where I could shoot and pop balloons. You remember my Mm -hmm. thoroughbred makeover? I I did mounted archery archery, and pop balloons. So I started popping balloons. I'd feed all the horses and stand in the middle and pop balloons, pop balloons, pop, blow them up, pop them, blow them up, pop them while they're eating. And um, incidentally, the horses did not care about July 4th <laughs> at all. And so I feel like I'm sitting on a gold mine of like training tip here, people. Like, but now I I forgot to tell you the week leading up to it. I meant to tell you on Monday so y'all could prepare your horses. But sorry, too late. Uh, maybe today. <laughs> Just bring them in. Put some music on in the barn, close them up, and uh, do your thing. See, keep some hay in front of them. We're fortunate that, I mean, uh, my landlord is ex-Green Beret, right? So he, we have this sunken, we have these pits on the farm here that used to be on phosphorus mines. So there's these sinkholes. Well, he had one of them dug out and made it into a pistol range. So it's about 20 feet down. And he built steps and everything. It's this deck overlooking the pistol range. So we go in there and shoot. So the horses are used to hearing gunfire all the time because he shoots like once a week. Oh, my God. Talk so, about redneck living right yeah, there. That's fun, though. Um, and the, But the horses could care less. <laughs> I mean, so desensitize so I was going to ask, does he have, because I, I see a lot of posts about veterans having post-traumatic stress incurred because of fireworks. No, I mean, he loves to go out and shoot and all that stuff. I mean, (laughs) I bring this shotgun down. Now, everything reverberates because we're we're down about 20 feet, right? In a hole, basically. So no bullets are going stray, that's for sure. It's just shooting into the side of a hill. But if I bring the 12-gauge shotgun down there and shoot it, uh, it sounds like a cannon going off. I mean, I I swear they hear that 10 miles away. You are Uh, redneck. I I didn't know. When I met... When I met Jennifer, they lived on a big farm, 100 acres, and uh, her her brothers were all hunters and her dad and everything. And that's the first thing they do is brought me out shooting to see if I was going to fit into the family. And I shot very well because my dad was a rifle instructor. And they so I told I said, I don't really know. Explain it to me. And I acted like I didn't know in case I sucked. And then I shot like bullseyes for the first 10 minutes. And they were like, okay, 
We've been doing this show for almost 10 years, and I just learned something new about you. Yes. This is amazing. No, and I shot like bullseyes, and they looked at me and said, we've been had, haven't we? And I said, well, I might I might have shot before. So, <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> and that was, I was in then. That was it. I was good. So, so that's how I, like I met her, her brothers was that day they took me out shooting. And I swear, if I hadn't shot well, I wasn't coming back. It was gonna be that way we don't know what happened to him Jen. he just <laughs> left he's not buried in a big hole out there yep. it's weird so my dad was uh, uh was in the marines during the korean war and he never left boot camp because he was such a good shot they kept him on as a rifle instructor he spent four years teaching rifle uh, rifle instruction at boot camp he never left to paris island it makes me think of forrest gump <laughs> he just never left yes drill instructor <laughs> He said it was kind of a cushy assignment, you know? Drill sergeant, sir. <laughs> well, today we hear about how you can do a, join Jamie at her first Monty Roberts introductory course of horsemanship in October at her own farm there yeah. at Flyover Farm. And you get to visit beautiful Oklahoma. Uh, Jennifer Kelly, the author of Sir Barton and the Making of a Triple Crown, shares with us some of the stories about the first Triple Crown winner, Sir Barton. And also, we have some really bad ads, and we're going to be giving away the prize for the month, and that's a box of crap I have here uh, in my closet. So we're going to send that out to somebody. We'll pick that winner today as well at the end of the show. So listen in. But first, I did see your post. I didn't know anything about this because you don't tell me anything. So uh, Jamie's horsemanship course coming up in October. What's going on, girl? Yeah, so um, I've, I've just had a couple people that are very... Um interested in in getting certified to be Monty Roberts instructors and so th I'm uh, I'm authorized to to have a introductory course in the introductory exams here at uh Flyover Farm so uh, I've decided to do this Will one now Will you be alone teaching this? Yes because my German friend and instructor can't get here. Yeah, maybe so that's fun. <laughs> so I will be alone teaching this um it's fine it, it's it's a very intense ten days. So well, that's um, why I ask because as an instructor, that's you got to plan all that crap, and I know how you are at planning. So I know it's weird. There's like books and everything. You get <laughs> uh, you get a manual that's like three hundred pages. There is it's classroom work for the first half of the day, and then you know uh, hands on work for the second half of the day. It is so educational, but it is intense. I mean, there's, it's a lot of work and it's not cheap. You know, at Monty's it's 4,000 here. It's going to be 2,500, but again, you are from nine to five, you know, working, talking, studying, you know, all of it. So it's a very intense course. And now you will learn more than you ever knew. I will be hosting shorter courses like join ups and long linings and things like that. Um, but I had to get some dates down for the int introductory course. Now, flyover, if, sorry, flag is up farms. That was not at all supposed to sound like flag is up and flyover farm. It was, it was completely uh, not meant to be like that. Anyway, uh, so. Yeah, your husband was a pilot and used to fly over the farm, which is how it got its name. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, at any rate, we will be having some, uh, some shorter courses. This one is 10 days. At Monty's, it is, it's two weeks plus a weekend. I pulled the weekend out of there to shorten it for two days. So you get no days off here because I don't have the beach that you can go to uh, on the weekend. <laughs> like, There's nothing to do in Norman on the weekend? There's there's not much going on in Norman over the weekend. And the people that I did talk to that are, are I have two people already signed up. Um, 
would like oh, to just yeah. get it done quicker. Yeah. So probably um, you get about five people. So I have oh, a so couple really spots small. left. Yeah, because yeah, two weeks is a commitment. It is. And it's really small because the intense, there's so much hands on that you have to do. And if there's too many people, you wait around too much while everybody gets their turn. So we try to keep the courses four to five people really nice and small. You get one-on-one attention, one-on-one instruction, and you do just a little bit of everything from, you know, learning the dually halter and the horse's communication system and how to line drive and then some trouble stuff like horses that don't want to be hosed off or fly sprayed or putting bridle on a difficult horse, you know, uh, all of those things. So you do learn some, some trouble stuff as well as learning, um, how to get, the horse and, and, and join up in long lining, like you're starting a horse. You, we do trailer loading. We do, I just, uh, it's a, just a horsemanship course. Um, but it is really intense. And again, it's two weeks. It's going to be, well, this one's going to be 10 days and uh, or 12, was it 12 days, five to 10 days. Yeah. So, um, Anybody interested, I have a Facebook page. It's Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Money Roberts Instructor. You can go on there. All you need to do to hold your spot is a 10% deposit. And uh, then Will they be sleeping in. In, in the new treehouse that Chad built? Or? <laughs> you know, you're kind of on your own for accommodations. There is a huge, giant. it's very odd. There's a ginormous hotel like a mile from me. Um, Out so, there in the middle of nowhere? Who stays yes, there? Yes, <laughs> it is. It's the postal center and there's uh, pool and uh, there's all sorts of gym there's all sorts of stuff and again that's not too far away we will be having classroom time in my new house in the morning and then in the afternoon going out to the barn october is a perfect month to do it here so that's why we chose that um any other questions i think that's good so where can they go to to find it again yeah, just go to Flyover Farm, Jamie Jennings, Certified Monty Roberts Instructor on Facebook. Also, Monty is going to be putting it up on his website. They just haven't yet because I kind of was like, hey, by the way, I'm doing it then. And Debbie's like, okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's fantastic. And all these people who have been saying, you know, all the cruises we've done, and all these listeners are saying, I hate cruising. I want to do something that's fun and on the ground and, in, you know, not on the water. And, and I want to do something with Jamie. Well, here's your chance right here. There you go. You can come on over, <laughs> hang out. Uh, no excuses now. You just got to put up. Yeah. Now, again, we will be doing, I, I say we like have a mouse in my pocket. I will be doing some shorter courses. Like I want to do a join up course and a long lining course. Uh, and those are just separate weekends. But well, uh, I will ask another question because this is going to come up. Uh, so if somebody puts a deposit down and because of COVID reasons, they can't come. Do they get the deposit back? Because of COVID reasons? Like, they can't, like they're not allowed to travel out of their state or whatever. Like right now, for certain states, you can't go to back to, you can't go to New York. Like if a New Yorker came and they'd have to be quarantined for 14 days after they go back. Well, clearly no New Yorkers. Of course I give you your deposit okay. back. That's my question because <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen between now and October. So Yeah, but if like you're worried about COVID uh, so much so that you are worried about no, being no, on but a I mean, farm in October. Everything can change between now and thing. then. So. <laughs> It's yeah, no, 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 of course. People are afraid to commit to things right now because of that. That's why I asked. I mean, you know, to be completely fair, all as long as I'm healthy, we'll be having it. So okay. <laughs> you get here however you can. You need to, like, you know, jump the fence, leaving your state. That's fine. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We have to do Daily Winnies really quick so we can get to oh, our yeah. guest. All right, Daily Winnie time, and I have a happy birthday. Happy birthday, happy birthday to you. 
I have a happy birthday to Auditor Kimberly Smiley, who's also involved with the Monty Roberts program. I know she's been there mm-hmm. a few times. She's taken the Gently Wild Horses course this summer. She's been there with me. And thank God you remembered her birthday because apparently every year you forget it. Oh, well, look, I win today. <laughs> it's a good day. <laughs> and also happy birthday to the United States. So, so there. That was also that's the other birthday I saw over the weekend. Well, that tiny baby Winnie is appropriate because that's baby Zara Winnie and baby Zara is now three and a half and got ridden in the big arena today. Today, she left the round pin and I want to thank Abby who is here visiting me for probably, uh, you know, uh, we have an undetermined end date to this visit. So I'm so excited to have some help and she loves Zara. And so for those who don't know, Abby was a student of mine when she was eight and now she's 18 and, um, she's hard to believe. (laughs) I know. Trust me. You had just met her when we started this show. Uh, yeah, she just started taking lessons and, and now here, you know, she basically was Lucas's nanny. And so he is really excited. She's here and I'm excited. She's here. And so anyway, I wanted to give her my daily Wendy because she got on baby Zara and trotted her around today. You can see the videos on my Facebook page. I posted them because I'm, I'm quite proud. Actually, I, I was having a really hard time with getting her to move. Like you get on her, you're like, okay, let's go. And she just like turn around and look at you. Like I'm not moving. That's <laughs> not a thing I'm gonna do. <laughs> and then, you know, you. I so I'd have if to I stand do this, in the you're middle. You're gonna make me do it all the time. <laughs> exactly. This is pointless. I'm just gonna stand here. So I would have to get in the middle of the round pen and like, like use the long lines to like encourage her to go. And then you know there was no chance of trotting. So I said, let's take her out today and see if we can get a little more movement. And I asked Monty what I should do for her. And he said, get yourself a good saddle horse, tack it up, put it right in front of her and encourage her to go. So I hopped on the Duke who is officially 26 this year. Oh my God. He's so great. And, uh, I was able to ride him in front of her and, and those videos are up as well. I was pretty, pretty proud this morning. Very good. Well, let's uh, hear from Kentucky Performance Products, and we're coming back with our guest. We're excited to hear about this. We've all talked about Sir Barton over the years, and, of course, the famous match race, and he was the first winner of the Triple Crown before it really was even a Triple Crown. And we have the author of the latest book. It's called Sir Barton and the Making of the Triple Crown coming up with us right after Kentucky Performance Products. You muck out his stall every day. You toss him hay and feed him his grain with just the right supplements mixed in. You adjust his blankets to keep him comfortable. And you always make sure he has enough fresh water. Before you ride, you brush off all the dirt and notice every bump or scratch. As you train, you feel every stride and notice each swivel of his ears as he listens to your aids. After you ride, you pause for a hug because your relationship is what it's really all about. The feeling you get when you hug your horse is priceless. It's why we do what we do at Kentucky Performance Products. This feeling is brought to you by Nalox Advanced. Fight back against colic and digestive upset. Nalox Advanced provides a scientifically advanced blend of ingredients that work synergistically to maintain your horse's digestive tract in peak condition. The horse that matters to you matters to us. 
Well, coming up next, as I said, we have Jennifer Kelly of the Sir Barton Project. Uh, I can't wait to read this book. It, it, there's, it, Sir Barton has so many cool stories around that horse. And Jennifer is the expert that took a look at it. So we're going to give her a call, Jamie. Okay, let's do it. Get her on the line here. Hello. Hey, Jennifer, this is Jamie and Glenn from Horses in the Morning. How are you? I'm super duper. How are you guys? We are good. Glenn, are we ready to start? Yeah, we're good. Uh, Yeah, we're live. And are you talking directly into your phone, not on a speaker? I am on my phone, yes. Okay, good. Thank you. Perfect. Well, Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us. I am a huge fan. I'm looking at a photo right now of, you know, Secretariat right above me here in the office. And I've got all sorts of uh, horse prints here of racehorses. I'm, I'm obsessed with horse racing and especially historical horse racing. And I cannot tell you how much, how excited I am to, to find this book and read it. Tell us about Sir Barton and making and the making of the Triple Crown. Well, I thank you guys for having me on today. I really appreciate the opportunity. Um, this book is the first book to talk in full about Sir Barton, his career, his life, and all the little you know nuances that led from you know his two-year-old career and into the Triple Crown, and then everything that came out after that, including his rivalry with Man of War. So. Yeah, you guys heard that right. Man of War was his rival. Okay, so let's we're going back in time, and this this yeah. is like a hopefully going to turn into a movie, kind of like Seabiscuit was. But you're talking a lot about the his, <laughs> historic parts of it. Uh, tell everybody a little bit about Sir Barton if they they know the name, they've seen the name as a Triple Crown winner, but it's he's such a unique triple crown winner things were so different back then uh starting with the fact that he was a maiden he'd never even won a race before he was in the derby yeah it was it was a different time and it's really fascinating to go back and and do the research and read and understand more about this era because so many of the things that we take for granted as traditions for us as modern racing fans really had their origins in this time period. You know, the Derby became an event, you know, in this era, like regret and all these other great winners that we had in the 1910s, 1920s. That was, that was this era. I mean, that's how that all kind of gained steam was here. And then the triple crown became a thing. So Sir Barton was, um, he was bred in Kentucky, so if you drive down <laughs> Sir Barton Way in Lexington, you're mm-hmm. driving down the road named after named after him. Um, he was born in Lexington, uh, bred by John Madden, who owned Hamburg Place. So if you've ever been in Lexington, you might be familiar with Hamburg Place, the um, the retail development. Over there. I was going to say I lived in a neighborhood in Lexington that was called Hamburg. Na- like neighborhood, it was adjacent to the Hamburg Shopping Center. That's it. Now yeah. I yeah. know. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was in Preston Madden, who's the grandson of John Madden, actually passed away recently. So Preston, I got the chance to interview him prior to, um, you know, while I was writing the book. And that was a great chance. But Sir Barton, you know, he wasn't supposed to be a maiden going into the Derby. He was supposed to have run more at two. But there was an, a, uh, an incident uh, one morning before a workout where he was kicked by another horse and 
the um, the kick got him in the stifle. He ended up with a cut that soon became infected. Um, blood poisoning set in. He ran a terrible fever, like 105 degrees. And it took several days before they were able to nurse him back to health. They actually thought at one point he would die. So the reason why he was a maiden when he went into the Derby was, you know, of his six starts at two, he had gotten closer and closer each time to factoring in the race, but had not quite found his stride. And then that fall, they had planned on running him in several stakes races in Maryland. But when the, um, the accident happened, they had to put him on the shelf until he recovered fully and then i i'm not 100 percent sure why they didn't run him prior to the derby in 1919 i don't know if it was they were you know would rather just let him get healthy on his own and not worry about trying to race him early or if they were just saving him for the derby but for whatever reason he didn't have a start prior to the derby which is nowadays i mean you you couldn't even smell the starting gate at the derby if you didn't at least have some point exactly let alone get into the starting gate. So it was uh, it was definitely a different era. And I, I think H.C. Bedwell, his trainer, even said at some point that they didn't expect him to go into the Derby as a maiden. They had always intended to race him more and that he probably would have broken his maiden prior to that. Just racing luck just kept him from doing that. So is this book, you, you know, we've got the... Walter Farley Man o War, which takes the a look at kind of the, the history, I guess, in a, in a fictional way, a fun way of like a child reading it. And, and they've got, you know, characters that are never were there, but are involved in the story and kind of help tell the story. Is it a book like that? Or is it a book that's kind of like a, like a documentary kind of form? I'm sorry, I'm not an it's- author. I don't get it. No, you're good. You're good. It's nonfiction. So it's like Seabiscuit. So if you've read Laura Hillenbrand's, you know, wonderful book on Seabiscuit, it is that, you know, where you want, I wanted to talk about Sir Martin's life as a whole, not just about the racing. Mm -hmm. So I start with how all the people that were influential in his life came together, including, you know, a little bit about the, his sire and dam And then I start into, you know, his racing career and how his owner and his trainer, um, you know, started going into business together and just and the jockeys and things like that. So it's the the goal was to tell Sir Martin's story in full, but also to ground the reader in the context of the era Mm -hmm. so that when you're appreciating like the Derby I tried to tie in moments from that time period that would have been familiar to people. So I think that one, there's one chapter I opened with um, the first game of the world series in 1919, which later turned out to be the black Sox series. Like I try to bring in all these little moments like that. So that as you're reading, you're getting this complete picture of what that era would have been like. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's even better. I mean, who didn't love the Laura Hillebrand story uh, of Seabiscuit, which so well did that in the movie again, we're going to have to, it's gotta be a movie. I mean, you're just, have they called yet uh, from Hollywood? No, no, I had, I was standing in line at Starbucks one day uh, (laughs) getting my inevitable shot of caffeine. And I was talking to a gentleman about what I do. And he said, um, I told him the story of Sir Barton kind of in passing. And he said, well, they should make a movie out of that. And I'm like, well, it sounds like a great idea, 
but the problem <laughs> the problem is it doesn't it doesn't necessarily end on a high note for the horse. <laughs> And, and he, he loses the match race. So it's like, <laughs> um, but, know, it's but like, he, well. yeah, so he, he, a spoiler alert, he loses a match race to man of war. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, hey, wait a still, minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Do you guys want to hear the match race with man of war? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let me get this queued up. Uh, I'm doing this on the fly. So, so forgive me. I'll have a commercial at the beginning. No, I, I'm getting that out of the way. All right, here we go. <laughs> Easy go for Man of War. Yeah, yeah, They're off here. and running. <laughs> Man of War takes the lead over Sir Barton. As they come around the first turn, it's Man of War leading Sir Barton by a length. Turning into the back stretch, it's Man of War by two lengths and going away. They come around the far turn and into the stretch. It's Man of War leading Sir Barton by 15 lengths and under a strong hold. And Man of War is an easy winner. <laughs> I mean, it's so obviously. And yeah, he won. See, but what yeah. you could focus on in that is, you know, that was a but Man of War to me is the greatest horse of all time, uh, and and you know between him and Secretary it goes back and forth. But to me, Man of War has always been the one. And what's interesting about this is you know Sir Barton, he got screwed because he oh, really yeah. shouldn't have been there. So tell us a little bit about you know nobody knows the backstory of Sir Barton going into that race, the match race. Well, let's. So if you're familiar with Man of War, you know, basically Man of War just beat everyone into the ground. Like there was, there was relatively few people at this point that wanted to race their horses against Man of War. He would sign and up for I a was, race and people, all the other horses would pull out. <laughs> yeah. Just, just because it's, I mean, if you read they didn't want to lose. Liar, now, <laughs> yeah, well, that yeah. was right. If you read Dorothy Arza's wonderful book on Man of War, Man of War, Legend Like Lightning, she gives you all sorts of really great details about Man of War and his career. And after the Dwyer, where he raced John P. Greer, and, in, in, you know, they battled, it was like nose to nose, and he, he finally won the duel. I think everyone kind of caught on to the fact that Racing your horse against Man of War kind of ruined your horse for other competition because, yeah. you know, horses are are herd animals, and once they're dominated, some some horses, you know, keep fighting, and some horses just kind of like, okay, well, I'm good. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do this again. So they, you know, people kept running into, oh, Man of War doesn't have any competition at his age level, so let's run him against older horses. But Samuel Riddle was not thrilled about this prospect because he was afraid not only of, you know, losing, but also just as the year went on, Man of War got more and more popular and the idea that his safety was at risk became a thing. I mean, there were this was an era where sabotage was not unheard of. You know, you would stick a sponge up a horse's nose and they, you know, couldn't breathe well and they wouldn't run as well. I mean, these are things that happen. So when it came to the match race, it took a long time to get um, Samuel Real on board. And one of the names that kept coming up in that like month or two prior to the match race was Sir Barton. Like, let's run 
man of war against Sir Martin because Sir Martin had made himself heads and shoulders above everybody else at the older as a older horse division and man of war is clearly dominating the three-year-old division so you know inevitably all of us want to see which horse is faster <laughs> so that's that's how that developed was man of war had won the travers and and equaled Sir Martin's track record time so like, hey, well, Sir Barton, you know, ran a mile and a quarter in this record time and then Man of War equaled it. Why don't we pair these two up? Now, they tried to get Exterminator in there, too, but uh, the uh, Exterminator's owner was reluctant to run only at 10 furlongs. He wanted it to be longer. And so when they negotiated it to be a mile and a quarter, he backed out. And so it became Sir Barton versus Man of War. So all that was just kind of like it. It was an inevitability and mostly due to people clamoring for it. And the owners only came on board when the money kept going up, 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 up. Hmm. Of course. But that's the thing, too. (laughs) That's why I think it's not fair, because it was just a machismo moment for Sir Barton's owner. (laughs) Like, "Uh, I'm going to be my horse is going to beat Manowar and look at all this money that's going to be in on it. And so I and he was plagued with like hoof problems. And from what I see, like the surface was super hard and really unsuitable for a horse with hoof problems. And so it's almost when you hear that match race and they're like, and Man of War won. You're like, of course yeah. he did. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, part of this was can it, because the match race was running Canada. It had been a Canadian promoter that had talked the fastest and offered the most money up to a certain point that had gotten their attention. And since Commander Ross was Canadian and Canadian racing had was still trying to get restarted after the war, Commander Ross was really... Um, motivated to bring something celebratory to Canada. And, you know, he already knew the promoter that at ran Kenilworth Park where the match race happened. So all that kind of fell in his favor. And, you know, I, you guys are familiar with this concept. I don't know how many of your listeners are. There's a difference between a horse being a hundred percent sound and racing sound. Mm, so yes. a lot of times you'll find horses that run, they're not a hundred percent sound but are 100% healthy, but they're, it's like when you're in the middle of the NFL season, at the beginning of the NFL season, you're, you know, super 100% healthy. And then by the Super Bowl, you're kind of like, you worn out, you know, bruised, (laughs) bruised up and worn out, but you know, it's the Super Bowl and you're not going to miss this. Well, this is that same vein where Martin's not 100%, but he's good enough. And, you know, they were, now, I've gotten information from people who knew, you know, other trainers and whatnot that would have been alive during this era. And they all have told me, like, yes, Sir Barton was not 100%. He was sore. But, you know, Commander Ross is not going to pass up this opportunity. Yeah, yeah Kate, because he can make... Yeah. I mean, they both made a pile of money off of that. And it was also... There was a... Te- uh, <laughs> there was a technology... Yeah, that It was a winner-take-all race. Oh, was and it? so Sir Barton ran, walked away with nothing. Ah, okay. But a broken a heart. To scenic, <laughs> yeah, a broken heart and a trip to scenic Windsor, Ontario. That was all they got. I remember <laughs> when Zenyatta and Rachel Alexandra, both mares, both at the top of their game, and they never ran against each other. And the people would say, yeah. oh, we need a match race. We need a match race. And I talked to a guy in Kentucky and he was like, no match race because none of, neither one of these mares deserves a broken heart. They're both as no, classy as they can be in their own right. 
and not just that, no match race in, in history that I know of at least turns out the way that you want it to. Like in that thrilling, oh my gosh, can't believe this moment. It doesn't, it doesn't so happen. You're saying it, wait a minute, you're saying it's like most Super Bowls. Never they never turn one. out really great either. They're usually boring by halftime. Right. Yes. <laughs> There's only one race. Yeah, the Seabiscuit race turned out just Seabiscuit. perfect. And that's one of the few. But I mean, anytime you look at other match races that have happened in the past, Generally, they just don't turn out to be the event that you that you envision them to be. And I think what happens is that owners have gotten wise to this. It's like people want Gamine to run in the Derby because she won the Acorn, you know, by like a length of a football field or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great idea. You know, the idea that you would put a, a filly that's talented against boys because you know there's there's a romance to that but it just you know more often than not it just doesn't turn out (laughs) it doesn't live up to your expectations yet i still love love the the idea idea of match races i just i know people do people like people do owners don't because (laughs) owners don't want the reality that their horse is fallible. <laughs> yeah. I have a, I have with a question. With that reminder. I've always wanted to know this because when you read the book Man of War, Samuel Riddle, again, the owner of Man of War, made some really good decisions for his horse and his life and his career, including not running him in the Derby because he just didn't feel like he was mature enough, uh, is what I've heard. Uh, but then you watch Seabiscuit and Samuel Riddle is kind of portrayed as the bad guy, you know, and he's though he's the worst. So now that you've done some research on Sir Barton, which one of those do you think is closer to the truth? I, I think for me, I haven't done nearly as much research on Seymour Riddle as, as Dorothy Ars has. So if you ever get a chance to have Dorothy on, you should totally talk to Dorothy about this because she has some really great perspectives on Samuel Riddle. What I think with Samuel Riddle is you get someone who's old school. Like to him, racing in Kentucky is racing in the West, in quotation marks. And that is not as stately or as... Um, grand as racing in the east maryland you know new york so he was a man who grew up and he was older i mean he was in probably 50s or 60s by this point so he saw the you know the derby as kind of being this upstart race and you know not just that there were some other attendant issues with man of war running in the derby like there was some there might have been a question of like a health um, like the horse wasn't hundred percent at the you know in time for the the race or whatever, and I think it's only because circumstance caught up with him that he was dragged into starting War Admiral in the Derby in the first place because to him, you know, Kentucky was this like almost lawless area, <laughs> <laughs> and like an upstart, like new money, and you know Maryland and Kentucky and uh, New York racing was old money, and you wanted you wanted to stay in that that circuit. So he was, it comes off as being rather curmudgeonly. I think it might just be, you know, he's, that's just him and his wife also, you have to, you have to like read more into this relationship. I think his wife made far more decisions and had far more influence over him and what he did with his horses than she's given credit for. So Interesting. It's, you know, she's a big factor in this too but i really do think he's a product of his era in that he grew up 
in and you know in a time when you know Maryland and New York were where racing happened and anything not Maryland and New York was you know kind of an upstart and he wasn't he wasn't on board trifling with it and had to be kind of dragged into that so the same with the match race like he didn't want to run the match race yeah. but then when they started offering fifty thousand and seventy five thousand dollars he's like well you know I want my horse to be the the winningest you know. I wanted to win more than $100,000 or more than $200,000. So I guess I'll go along with the show. Right, right. Well, you for those uh, listening, I have done this show for 10 years. And I forget things that have happened. Like, we actually had Dorothy on okay, in good. January of 2015. <laughs> and it's funny okay, because <laughs> when you mentioned the book, I was like, I have that book. I've read that book. And I have read her Man of War book. Uh, that's, it's cool. So I will have to check out yours as well. And the Sir Barton Project is the website, is that where people get the book? Well, the Sir Martin Project, I actually started while I was writing the book. Um, when I discovered that in order to get a book published, you need to establish yourself as an expert on your um, subject matter so that you can get you know, a publisher and other ancillary things that you need to get a book published. Um, I was like, okay, well, now I have to establish myself as an expert. And since I'm writing this book, why don't I go ahead and start a blog just to kind of get um, get my name out there and get people excited about what I'm doing. So the purpose behind the blog was to, you know, things that I couldn't put in the book, I could put on the blog. So when you go to the blog and you read the blog post, these are often pieces that I just couldn't include in the book because I'm only allowed so many words. And so I'll like use the blog as here's this repository for extra information. If you want to buy the book, this is a good time to buy because my publisher is the University Press of Kentucky and they are currently doing a warehouse sale. So if you go to their website, they have a list of books, a long list of books that they are currently discounting with the with the um the coupon code that's up on the website and so it's not just my book on on sir barton there's others that are in our in the same imprint in horses in history that you can buy you can also get the book on amazon or barnes noble um but if you want a signed copy because i do have i do sell signed copies if i'm because i'm not currently doing any appearances since we're all like doing our safer at home thing if you would like a signed copy, you can contact me directly and I can um, direct you to the person that handles the signed copy. She will sign it and then but, disinfect it just for you. <laughs> yes. But you I can buy it. the book at Amazon or Barnes and Noble. But I would let but if you want the discount through the Kentucky University Press of Kentucky, it's you go to their website and you'll find it. I mean, I just bought like three books yesterday, books I don't already have. And, you know, the books I bought were 50 and 75% off. So I was like, let me see how and many books I can buy before my husband starts getting really frowny. <laughs> <laughs> what's that website? It's KentuckyPress.com. Okay. KentuckyPress.com. Go on there. You guys can buy all sorts of things. Uh, now I have to ask because I did read a lot of your blog and one of the questions I have, because I don't have Sir Barton and the making of the triple crown. I don't know why Sir Barton was buried in Wyoming. And you say, read the oh, book to find out. Okay. And I don't have the book yet. And I need to know. <laughs> I can give you a quick answer to that question. So okay. in 1932, well, after Sir Martin retired from racing in 1921, he was purchased by 
B.B. and Montfort Jones, who started a farm in Virginia named Oddly Farm. And so they were like, you know, new to the horse racing game, and they brought him on as their flagship sire um, to stand at Oddly. And in ab- about 1932, so late 1932, uh, for whatever reason, I'm not 100% sure what the thinking was behind this, uh, B.B., because it, but by this point, Montford had passed away. B.B. Jones sold Sir Barton to the United States Army's remount service. And what the remount service did was they supplied cavalry mounts to the um, mounted cavalry um, uh, regiments in the United States. So you could, if you were an like you own a Morgan mayor, for example, you could send your mayor to a thoroughbred stallion like Sir Barton for a minimal cover fee, like five or ten dollars, and then if the you could keep the the foal, or the uh, the military would buy the foal from you, the, mm. for you know because they needed cavalry mount. So this is a way to encourage people to breed horses that the cavalry could then use when you know for their service. So. By selling Sir Barton to the remount service, it made his bloodlines available to people to, you know, mate with a Morgan or a quarter horse or whatever to produce a hardier, sturdy horse for a cavalry person. Now, that five or ten dollar fee made it feasible for anybody to, you know, to to uh, have him cover their mare. He ended up in Wyoming because they would send out the sires. They would either stand them at their depots, and they had depots in different areas of the country, or they would send them out to agents in the field. So someone would, you know, house a stallion or two, and then people in that area could send their mares and then have them covered and then, you know, et cetera, et cetera. God, poor so, Sir Barton. I, he must have been exhausted. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know how many mares he covered. Well, it's. You know, it just depends on where you're at. But he had been first assigned to Douglas, Wyoming, to an agent named um, John, uh, I'm going to say his name wrong, Dr. J.R. Hilton. And um, so that was ni- like 19, late 1932, early 1933 when he was sent out to Wyoming. He passed away in 1937 from colic, and they happened to bury him on the ranch where he was standing. And then in the 60s, when it became clear that the ranch was going to be sold after um, Dr. Hilton had passed away and the family was liquidating their land, um, they moved his bones out of, they disinterred him from where he was in the mountains and moved him into Washington Park in Douglas, where he's buried there. They tried to repatriate him to Kentucky, but the town of Douglas said, we're not going to let you. It's the only, it's the only famous thing we have. We're keeping him. Right. (laughs) Other than the jackalope, <laughs> yeah. um, that's a, it's a really interesting area of the country. I haven't been out there yet, but I've had a lot of interactions with the people that are out there, and they're really attached to Sir Barton, and they really do care about him. And so they raised money, reinterred him in the park, and then built a monument over his grave, and now it stands there. So, I mean, Douglas, why, why Wyoming, Wyoming is the middle of nowhere. <laughs> the closest yes. thing is Casper. Uh, which is still yes. not that much. Uh, <laughs> interesting. Well, that's an interesting thing. You guys go check out the book. You can go to the Sir Barton project.com to see the blog. You can go and find the book um, pretty much anywhere. It seems like books are sold. And again, the name is Sir Barton and the making of the triple mm-hmm. crown. This has been awesome to talk to you. 
Thank you so much for coming on. Fascinating. And uh, I hope everybody get, goes out and gets it. Yes, please do. And you can find me on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff if you want to touch base with me and talk more. And I'm writing another book, too. So hopefully I'll get a chance to talk to you guys again for the next one. <laughs> Wait, what's the next one about? Tease us. The next one is about Gallant Fox in Omaha. Oh God, yes, that's awesome! How cool! But they've <laughs> never had a they've never had a book written about them, so I thought, well, since I did Spartan, <laughs> do you find why that not maybe go- you should talk to some people that are alive still, like you get some better information? <laughs> I mean, you're you're going back it, it, into history. It, well, I'm trying to cover areas that no one else has covered. So the idea is that you look at what's currently available available in the different you know book catalogs, and you find forces that haven't had their stories told and you just gravitate toward that. That's awesome. All right. Fantastic. Jennifer Kelly, the Sir Barton project, go check it out. Uh, thank you so much for joining us and we'll have you on again and talk about, talk about oh. your next book. Thank you so much guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, All Jennifer. right. Cool. Bye. Oh my God. Well, I love cool. books like that. I know. And you know, I played that sound, but this was one of the first races that they had where they set up cameras all around the track. This was in 1920. So, you know, film was a new thing and they actually have video. It's one of the first, I think it's the first match race they have video of, uh, but the video is so, you know, so dark and you can barely see it, but it, it's all incredible. those horses have such amazing stories. Yeah. You know, and the times incredible. were so different back then. It's a little more rough and tumble. I mean, we didn't talk, she wouldn't touch base, but like he actually ran in four races. He ran in the Derby, the Preakness, and then a race in between the Preakness and the Belmont. So all within like, 32 days. Yeah. Not, and, and, not five months. You, know? you think of the California Chrome owner going, it'll never be done again. When he got all mad that uh, you yeah. know, no horse can do this. I'm like, horses used to do a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's great. I love that. That was a good segment to do today. And you know what? It kind of, you know, 4th of July is tomorrow. And that was kind of a little bit of history, a little bit of I look like, back at history. Love- that i love that and i love hearing those old announcers it's just, <laughs> it's just so great hearing them all right and manowar like oh no big surprise here <laughs> all right really bad ads time say pay attention if you ain't met one by now you're bound to sooner or later he says one thing and he means another but hey he can't help it he's a horse trader horse trading well, it's a laissez-faire, let the buyer beware. Horse trading, they tell a low-down lie with a sincere stare. Horse trading, well, if they're talking in circles and the deal ain't square, he's a master in the fine art of persuading. Horse trading. That's right. It is time for some really bad ads that time of the week when we get listeners to submit ads to us that they find in Craigslist or Facebook or somewhere, and we just have a little bit of fun with them. And before I forget to say this, auditors, hang on. We will chat for a little bit after the show. We're also giving away our prize. We give away a prize or two or three every month, and I already got the prizes in for Horse Lovers for next month, so you guys should be excited about that. We have some great prizes that we'll announce next week. But today, we're giving away the coveted box of crap. It's on people's bucket list. 
lists. They want to win the box of crap from my closet. And I actually went on, we'll do this uh, after we do really bad ads today, but I went on the auditor page and I asked them to pick a number uh, between one and 240 something. And I'm going to go, I haven't looked yet. I'm going to go on the spreadsheet and I'm going to look who is the winner after. So our auditors pick the winner today. All right, let's uh, let's do some really bad ads. And first up is one of mine uh, that I'm going to read. Well, first of all, we also had Caitlin, April, Reginald, Emily, Denise, and Cynthia submit ads that we can't get to today. So we apologize for that. Uh, we always get more than we can't get to, but you all were entered into the spreadsheet. So for the prize. All right, uh, Rochelle sent this one in. It's price reduced. PM for more info slash price. Meet Jasper, a six-year-old quarter horse. We got Jasper about a year ago, but farm life just isn't for him. What, does he need to live in the house? (laughs) (laughs) He needs to live in the villages here with the old people? I don't know. He needs to be challenged more. He was previously a lesson horse, and kids loved him, but he is not child safe at this time. But he could be. (laughs) So basically, we got Jasper and didn't do anything with him, and he needs to be trained. So... (laughs) The challenged means like, you know, yeah. worked with. Yeah, worked handled. with, actually done something with. So basically they ruined this horse. He was child safe before, but he isn't anymore. He isn't anymore. Nope. Uh, but Jenny sent in the next one, and this came from a Facebook page. It looks like Indiana Area Equine Networking with the Magic Horse Fairy. What? what? God, there's a Facebook page for everything. I mean, come on. Indiana. We need to have the Magic Horse Fairy on the show. We've never had the Magic Horse Fairy as a guest. Indiana Equine Area Equine Networking with the Magic Horse Fairy. Hello, everyone. I'm desperately looking for a pastor made for my old boy. He's 26 year old and he is a hard keeper. I have him. I have had him boarded with a really good friend of mine who has worked really hard to put the weight on him. That is on him. I brought him home and he has not eaten in, sorry, there's no punctuation. I need a breath. In three days, I am desperately looking for a pastor mate for my boy. He has just been standing at the fence and hollering space space (laughs) the neighbors are complaining no space he has been alone before and has never acted this way i am desperate to find a friend for him i don't care how big or small or the age i don't care if you can ride or not he needs a companion and i am desperate i want him to eat all he does is stand at the fence and stare at the neighbors but if anyone can send me in the right direction or know anyone trying to find a home for a goat whatever please let me know i am located in Central Indiana. I just want to add that I'm looking for free. Thank you. <laughs> Neighbors that are whining. That is the longest her husband's sentence. about ready to divorce her. <laughs> That's the longest sentence we've ever had on here. It is. And she did so well with punctuation at the beginning and then just fell off did the she? edge. <laughs> yeah, you're right. First sentence. Then the rest is all one thing. And it's free. Uh, just don't sell me anything. <laughs> And she's going to be in divorce court if she can't find a, a suitable mate pretty soon. A pastor mate. This one should work. Let's read about a religious this one. mate. Uh, pastor. Um, pastor. So Katie sent this one in. Oh, look. 
<laughs> well, we need to get these two together. I know. It's perfect. It's perfect. Katie sent this one in. I don't know where it's from. It's called Crossed Out. Anyone looking for a helpful companion? Petunia has some quirks, but she all she wants is to have a home where she is shown love. Petunia would be a great companion with anyone out in the field. She does need a knowledge home. Knowledge home. Uh, <laughs> she loves kisses on the nose and an endless supply of cookies. At P.S., shell tip over your wheelbarrow, but w- then walk away like it wasn't her. That and sounds like your pony. I know. And there's a picture of her tipping over the wheelbarrow. And it's this <laughs> little mini that, uh, oh, my God, the color. I don't know if it's mud or if it's kind of a mud-colored gray. I have no oh idea. Oh, my God. I think it's Let mud. Let me describe this mini. Okay. <laughs> it's some sort of brown with, like, grayish hair coming out of it with a a white mane and tail and this thing is 700 pounds and it's two feet tall <laughs> this is the fattest mini I've i think ever this seen. would be perfect Plus, for the screaming one that needs a pastor mate this I mini know, would drive perfect. that horse nuts <laughs> it's, it's eating somewhere it's getting food from sale show it where the food is because this also has a purple halter on that looks like it's been there and there's a catch rope attached to the halter oh, that, that's so, always an indication <laughs> uh yeah we can't catch it you're going to have to catch it. Uh, Charlotte but sent this that, Wait next a minute. But we, we passed right over that this mini's name is Petunia, and I absolutely love that. I think that's perfect. <laughs> yeah. She, um, by the way, she loves kisses on the nose and cookies. It, don't, she'll bite your nose. Don't, let, don't, don't kiss her on the nose. Charlotte said this one in. Would like this cow? 425 is going to relocate before calving season 2020. She came with a load of Western origin heifers last fall. She calved right on time and raised a nice calf confirmed in calf to an excellent black jeans son. To qualify for this cow, it would be best if you have both Chuck Norris and Jason Bourne in your own pedigree. (laughs) For the first 60 days after she calves, she will track you like a heat-seeking missile if you enter the pasture. (laughs) Seriously, you can run, but you cannot hide from 425. (laughs) We'll trade for money, tires, T-posts, barbed wire, groceries, guns, ammo, saddles, diesel fuel, maybe a good mule. I've never had a mule, but it sounds like fun. So, (laughs) And then there's a picture of... 425. It looks like a very irritated cow. She looks pissed. (laughs) Do you know this is a fact that more, there's more people get hurt from cows than horses or any other farm animal every year? Wow. That is not surprising. (laughs) The place where we have that 10 acres and I've let our neighbor graze his cows out on our 10 acres with pink and Demir, my, my two retirees. And, um, there is one cow. I don't think he wants to hurt you, but he just about as friendly as they come. And, uh, he's a little too friendly. He'll get right up on you. Headbutt you. (laughs) And they will. They'll hurt you. I will only take the ranger in the pasture and he literally headbutted the ranger with Lucas and I, and it were like, ah, <laughs> screaming because <laughs> he's like headbutting the front of my ranger. Anybody that milks cows on a regular basis, anybody that's been a farmer that milks cows no, has been kicked more than once by a cow. Uh, all right. Adrian. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> my God. Adrian, Adrian, I hate you actually for sending this. <laughs> this is fantastic. Okay. This is the horse trailer of the week. I'm just going to read it. And then Jamie, from the <laughs> 
<laughs> and she does I believe me, she's not going to be describing the trailer. That's not the highlight of this picture. This has to be in Oklahoma. <laughs> it has to be. It just has to be. Horse trailer, $600. Selling my horse trails trailer, 600 OBO, because of my husband does have a l- title. Let me repeat that. Selling my horse trailer, 600 OBO, because of my husband does have a title. All one line. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so tell, tell us about the trailer picture. I just really feel like maybe you could have done a little bit better right. photograph to get maybe your incredibly obese shirtless husband out of the freaking way. There, It's the trailer. It's a blue round front, blah, blah, blah. We don't care about the trailer. It's the fact that there's a right breast of a man and it's droopy. It looks like Thor uh, from Endgame. Yeah, the that's belly, right. That's uh, like, what I thought of, actually. <laughs> There's this is the only way this guy can be compared to Thor is with his fat <laughs> Thor. And the cool thing is his blue short shorts that he's wearing also match the blue on the trailer. <laughs> they do. So, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, it's but you it's know, only half of him. Purpose. It's the one half. It's <laughs> it's only the right nipple and belly. <laughs> and could shorts. you have told him to move and taken a second shot? Really? I mean. Was he chasing you? Like, what is the, why would that be the photograph oh, that you would Well, use? let's analyze this. If I put the punctuation, let me put the punctuation in the sentence because I don't want to let this one go. Selling my horse trailer 600 OBO because of my husband, comma, <laughs> does have a title. So now, is she getting rid of the husband? Is does she the selling the trailer because she wants to get rid of this husband, the fat one in the picture? What? I don't know. I mean, like, it, the whole picture, all you can see is nipple. Like, it's a giant man breast. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, we're going to post this. Somebody on our posted this and thought it was okay. Hey, Lucas, come look at this picture real quick and tell me what you see. Oh, no. Okay, here we go. I want you to come and look at this the picture. Seven year old version. Horse trailer. What do you see? He's laughing. Come here, you got to say in the micro- microphone. What do you see? Say it. What do you see? Boobs. Boobs. All right. Andrew sent the next one in. By the way, you get double credit if you record your own ad and send it in yourself. You get two entries in the drawing every month. So here's Andrew sent this one in. This is Andrew from West Virginia calling with a really bad ad. This ad is on Facebook and the page West Virginia Farm Stock for Sale or Giveaway. Ten-year-old stud has been shown in open very pretty. Show name is Biscuit. Out of the old Timbrook horse Stanley Smothers hat. That's it. That's the ad. Enjoy. Please, (laughs) every week submit something because I think I'm in love. (laughs) And everybody I, in that area knows who Stanley is. That's the old horse that Stanley had. Everybody knew that horse that Stanley had. That's what uh, it's West yeah. Virginia. <laughs> Sorry. Andrew, if you could read that with your right nipple exposed, that'd be great. <laughs> oh my God. Woo! All right. Uh, Jen, Jenna sent the next oh. one. Oh, Jenna sent this one in and she requests that I read it in my teenage voice. By the way, Abby's here and I'm getting so good. I'm learning so many new words. Okay. Um, funky. Okay. The, the title, it's a Craigslist ad funky pop tart, a thousand dollars in BC. 
This Pop-Tart is my fave. Like, we've been working together for three years. Pop-Tart is amazing wagon pacer very fast, but riding he okay for, like, a while. Then Pop-Tart will jump out of the toaster and flipped on its back. I'm still burnt from the last time Pop-Tart popped. Pop-Tart's gotta go. What the hell did I just read? I no For a while there, I thought it was a horse. Then I thought it was a Pop-Tart. And now I'm back to I the horse. I think this confused. is one of those Facebook ads where they're trying to sell a horse incognito. It's a Craigslist ad, though. Oh. What's a wagon pacer? Well, there's oh, It's a pacer that pulls a wagon? I, I don't know. <laughs> okay, this Pop-Tart is my fave. We've been working together for three years. Pop-Tart is amazing. A wagon pacer very fast. But riding he okay for a while. Then Pop-Tart will jump out of the toaster and flipped on its back. I'm still burnt from the last time Pop-Tart popped. Pop-Tart's gotta go. Okay, yeah, I'm confused. I have no idea. Still, it makes no more <laughs> sense reading it through the second time. <laughs> Whatever voice you want to read it in, it doesn't matter. Jenna, it's you get the award for the really baddest dad for the day. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Although uh, Adrian sent in the guy with it. I'm just pissed at Adrian for sending the boob guy in. So uh, Kayla sent this one in. It's very short. Pony for sale, $600 in Bath, Pennsylvania. Pony Fritz miniature black Frisian. Seven, <laughs> seven years gelding should be broke to drive. He should be. Do they that make miniature Frisians? No, that's not a thing. It's a black mini. <laughs> it's a miniature black Frisian. <laughs> it is black, and it's got a lot of hair, so I can see where they would have mistaken that. I, I get it. But it should be broke to drive. <laughs> it should be, maybe. It should be. I don't if know. We were told somebody it, drove it, it totally, once. No, it should totally <laughs> that's what be. We get, that's what they said when we picked up Scooter, too. Oh, he should be broke. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to hold my breath. Okay? Hold on. Here we go. Uh, Amanda sent the next one in, and this is from a Wisconsin Horse Tack Facebook page. Oh, God. Why do people not use periods? I'm going to pass out after this one. In search of a horse weather. There, weather like weather, like in the sky, you know, in search of a horse weather, there a mare or gelding, it doesn't matter to me. My price limit is 1,000, would like to stay less if at all possible. The main thing is, I want to be able to train them at least a little bit. I would like them to be 15, 3 or bigger. There is no max height. If a foal, I would like them to mature around 16 hands or taller. I don't need a super fancy auras is it is my first one, but they will definitely be loved no matter what they look like. I have to read it again and I have to read it in the proper voice, which is like, oh my God, you guys, I am in search of a horse. Like whether they're a mare or gelding, it like doesn't matter to me. My price Limit is a thousand would like to stay less if at all possible. Like the main thing is I totally want to be able to train them at least a little bit. I would like them to be a 15, three or bigger. And there's no max height. If a full, I would like them to like mature around 16 hands or taller. I don't need a super fancy aura as it is my first one, but they will like definitely be loved no matter what they look like. <laughs> Dang, I'm good. <laughs> That's very well done. <laughs> I read the whole thing and I was like, nope, that was the wrong yeah. voice. 
<laughs> and if you could add it, the Wisconsin accent and throw a couple of A's in there, you'd oh be great. Oh my gosh, you guys. Like, oh, totally search of a horse. I can't do it. Too much. Well, too let's much let Lorene take us out with an accent. How about that? Uh, Her Brooklyn, New Jersey accent. Yes. Hi, good morning. It's Lorene Barden. Hi, Lorene. Um, I'm going to read a bad ad. And this says, is about a job, and I've been out of work since March, thanks to Corona. And in the ad, they use the S-H-I-T word, and I didn't know if I was allowed to say it, so I'm not going to say the whole word. <laughs> but here is the job. Needing horse, shh, gone, four exclamations. Needing someone with a dump truck and their own bobcat to come and clean the horse, shh, out of our horse yards. Located in DeSoto and call Scott with prices needing done ASAP. Five exclamations. So maybe I should call Scott. Apparently, he has some work for me. Thanks. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. It was funner uh, saying shh anyway. <laughs> I was funnier that way. <laughs> Lorraine, you can get yourself a job. Go you need on. to be a voiceover person, Lorraine. That's what you need to do. Can you imagine her reading, you know, being an Audible reader for books? She could be a book reader for Audible and doing all the books that are set in New York and New Jersey. I love Perfect. it. I love it. By the way, I'm scrolling up to make sure I didn't miss anything, and there's a boob. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still pissed. Uh, Adrian, you are barred from sending ads. No, <laughs> she is not. She is. Bring it on. All right, let's pick a winner here. Let me go back to uh, check here. Uh, uh, let's see. Nicole picked the winner on our auditor page when I asked for it this morning, and she picked number 56. So let me go over to the spreadsheet. Separate page here. Number 56. Who do we got? It's Charlotte. Charlotte Merrill Smith wins. Charlotte, uh, my neighbor over here in Ocala, you win a box of crap. She's gonna you got to come pick up the box of crap. You have to come get it. I'm not sending it. it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, congratulations, Charlotte. I know you've just always wanted something out of my closet. She is probably the only one that that box of crap has not been on her bucket list. <laughs> no, she does not need that. She's going, why is he going to send me his crap? I don't want his crap. <laughs> well, if Charlotte so doesn't want it, we'll Charlotte, pick a different one. <laughs> Charlotte is going to be giving away a box of crap here in a bit. So yeah. <laughs> tune in. <laughs> yeah, look for that posting on the auditor page. <laughs> well, congratulations, Charlotte. Next month, we have three great prizes provided by horselovers.com, and we'll tell you about those next Friday on the show. You all have a great weekend. Be safe. Uh, don't burn tomorrow down with fireworks. Um, Please. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's not do that. And, you know, there's going to be more local. There's going to be more Yahoos with fireworks this year than ever before because a lot of the towns canceled their fireworks. So they're oh. saying that more and more, like, there's no fireworks around here. The town's all canceled because of the 50 people or 100 people or more thing. So they're going to be every Yahoo's going to have fireworks this year. The the uh, problem is, I think like, there's a, you know, the Nextdoor app is an app where you can connect with people in yeah. your neighborhood. And somebody was like, hi, I would like to take my kid to a fireworks display. Does anybody know of anything? Because all of them are like shut down. And like a thousand people posted, we're going to be shooting them off in our front yard if you want to come on by. I'm like, oh my God, we're all going to die. All right. So let me ask the Oklahoma question that everybody, every, you'll see this post 50 times today from horse people. Do I leave them in or put, uh, put them in the barn or leave them out? Do you want them to run through the fence? Yeah, that's my answer too. Yep. 
they put them in the barn. That that's what I and put some music on, close yeah. all the doors. Yeah, if your some... horses are super freaked See out, see if you, you know, can just... make the heavy metal rock and roll louder than the neighbor's fireworks. See how that goes. Yeah, there you go. Blast it. <laughs> all right. See you, everybody. All right, bye. Hang on, auditors. Good show there, buddy. Oh, you did a fun. good job with the guest. She she uh you got her going. She really went. You did a good job with her. I feel like I was terrible when I was talking about my own stuff, but yet I can talk about other people's stuff a lot better. <laughs> no, you were I it was great. It was a good show. Good show. So, um what do you want to talk about? So this fireworks thing. So they are is it your area too where every corner store has a tent? Selling fireworks. Um, you know, I, I can't say. I, I don't know because I haven't, I don't really go to, to town very yeah. often. Um, but I will say that it was shocking to me on the Nextdoor app how many people are going to do their own fireworks display in their front yard. Yeah. When we, the, <laughs> the most I've ever seen is when we lived in Kentucky, we lived probably four or five miles from the horse park. We lived right across from Masterson Station, and anybody who lived in Kentucky knows where that is. That's the place we can go do schooling and jumps and stuff. And we lived right across from that. And it was a, you could see forever. I mean, from our house, you could see across the valley, sort of toward Louisville, and you could see forever. And they, that year, made the full fireworks legal for anybody to buy. So not just sparklers and the little ones, right? You could buy full blown fireworks. Well, a couple uh, a couple of the farms around there did, and from our backyard, we saw about 25 fireworks displays right there. <laughs> Just, oh, my God. And they were shooting the full fireworks in the sky. It went on for hours and hours out our back door. Jennifer slept through the whole thing. I was out in the back porch just enjoying the fireworks. Didn't have to leave the house. <laughs> that, but I can't imagine what it's like now, all these years later, how many people... And those aren't cheap. People spend... A thousand dollars on these. They are not my cheap. neighbor. My neighbor invited us over there. Like, you want to come over to see some fireworks? Because we spent like a thousand dollars on them. So we'd love for you to come over and enjoy them. Actually, they were like, and we'd like another man there because my husband feels like if he catches it on fire, I'm not going to be able to help him. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a lot of people posting on Facebook, or some people posting on Facebook, a couple of the rednecks uh, that uh, because they hadn't spent a lot of money going out to eat and they weren't going on vacation, they were putting it all in the fireworks. To spend it all. <laughs> what was the point of saving any money? Yeah, yeah, don't save any money. So I had never told you the shooting story before. Oh my god, no! I didn't know you shot guns down the oh, hole of a, your neighbor. To, yeah, and yeah. We, brothers at that, that first no. farm, there was a dump that was there when we moved in. It was the days. It was a hundred acre farm in the middle of no nowhere, Pennsylvania. There were no neighbors. You could not see another house from this from the house and the barn. It was really quite nice because it was a hundred acres, but the, down along the stream. They had this dump because that's what people did. They took all their crap and just dumped it in the woods back then. So so they would just dump. Well, you had all this old refrigerators and all this stuff. So that's what we used as a shooting range there is we'd go down to the dump and we'd just shoot the hell out of the dump. 
So yeah. toilets were the best. Oh my God. Take a shotgun to a toilet. It would fly tw- a thousand pieces, 20 this, feet. It in scares air. me. I'd shoot something <laughs> and they come back in like a shard of ceramic would get in my eyeball. Those you know, were the I, days, I'm terrified of stuff. Like we that. used to have these weekend parties that were, uh, well, that was in the days that we had the acting company. So we had all these fun people in the acting company and we'd invite them up for the weekend and they would sleep in the barn. They would sleep in the car. They didn't care where they slept. They were actors. So we'd have these parties all weekend we'd be cooking and we'd be roasting and we'd do all this stuff and there'd be 30 people there and they'd be riding horses and and also shooting was a big thing so we'd go down to the dump and we'd take them all down shooting well the one year (laughs) the one year uh our one musician had a friend who had have you ever heard of a bench gun no okay so imagine the largest heaviest rifle you've ever seen it is so heavy it shoots a 50 caliber bullet which is about four or five inches long and you have to you have to set it on a bench or on a table because you can't hold it it's so heavy so it sets this bench gun is this down. like world war ii stuff here like <laughs> yeah, yeah, this was a big gun they still use them for hunting believe it or not um so you we, ain't gonna eat anything we from set it. up you're just gonna shoot we had an old water can metal water can that we sent up about a quarter mile away on a hill uh on the far side of the farm you could barely see it and we set up this bench gun and we were shooting that bench gun and oh my god it's i thought the police were gonna come <laughs> even though we were in the middle of nowhere it sounded like a cannon coming off so that wasn't good enough the next year uh he brought to the party an actual cannon it was about three feet long was about six inches across it was a cannon and we actually did fire the cannon <laughs> wow <laughs> Those were some That's redneck parties, let me tell you. Some redneck shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> they were fun, yeah, and we'd have fun. the party in the barn. We'd clean out the center of the barn. It was a bank barn, so the upstairs, you know, where the hay was. We'd clean out the whole center, and they'd be dancing and partying in there till, till uh, you know, four or five in the morning. We had no neighbors, so nobody was around a bitch about the noise and the sound, and they would bring their instruments and actually play. They would play for yeah. hours. God, musicians well, love to get together and just play, don't they? They don't care. They just want to play. <laughs> they don't care if they get paid. They don't just you did you hang around with musicians a lot in the music when you were in radio? With musicians, no. No. Okay. No. I mean, I grew up like I mean, I started playing guitar when I was fifteen and yeah, I mean, you just go sit around and play Jam. guitar they with love all your friends doing that. for hours. I mean, a true yeah. musician loves that. Uh, and you even see the guys today, you know, the, the from the famous bands and stuff that are just playing from their house just because they want to keep playing. Oh, man, I was so cool. I'd like sit around, play guitar with people and like smoke cigarettes and talk about how awesome we were. And, yeah. you know, all of those things at different time, yeah. different time. <laughs> and the music sucked. I mean, you guys were bad, right? Oh, just... <laughs> no, I was like the Indigo Girls. OK, I'm like everything was amazing. And I look back and I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> what is wrong with me? What else did we used to do at that farm? Oh, her brother was a uh, mud racer. So he had the huge trucks with the big tires and the whole thing sat up about 20 feet in the air. And he's a mud racer. So occasionally he'd bring the trucks out. And we had this hill behind the barn. It was a big hill. We had this hill behind the barn. And he used to drive up the hill and popping wheelies up the hill and all of that stuff. And then, you know, one time when it was muddy, he thought he'd go to the back of the farm and uh, he got it stuck back there. And the only way you get our little, our little tractor wasn't pulling the mud truck out. So uh, 
he had to get an, a bigger mud truck. So he got one of his buddies to bring his mud truck over in this big trailer and pull the mud truck out. Wow. That, again, you're just like, <laughs> don't ever talk about me being from Georgia as a no, redneck ever redneck. again. It was pretty redneck. I married into this family. Uh, yeah, so that was uh, the one day we were sledding down the hill. I might have told this story before. So the one day we're sledding down that big, long hill. It was great for sledding. And Jennifer and I thought this one night, it had iced over a little. And we said, we'll bring the toboggan up there. It will go like hell. So, and you could only walk the hill once or twice. I mean, you were done after you walked up that hill. So we walk up the hill with the toboggan, two-person toboggan, and we go sliding down that hill. Well, it iced, the snow had iced over a little more than we thought. We never crunched down at all, and we got going about 60 miles an hour. And there was a wooden fence at the bottom of the hill because it was a pasture. And we knew, I knew I was in the front and I, I yelled to her to bail out because I knew we were hitting I'm gonna that, die. We were hitting that fence at about 60 miles an hour. So we bailed out. Well, we bailed out on an ice crust. Well, when you're going 60 miles an hour and you bail out, you crack through the ice. And so does everything that's exposed on your body. So I, we were both laying face down and I knew I didn't want to pick my head up. I knew I didn't want to see. And I picked my head up, and there's the blood everywhere. There's blood everywhere. And I thought my nose was gone or my ears or something. And I looked at Jennifer. Her face, I could not see her face. It's completely covered in blood. And, you know, believe me, when, when that happens, this feeling goes through your body like time slows down. And you're just praying that all the parts are there. You're just praying that all the parts are there. And I said, who's going to look first? And she said, I'll look at you first. She looked at me and nothing, I mean, we were cut to hell, uh, but nothing was off. And I looked at her and nothing was off, but there were cuts everywhere. So, I mean, we went in the house and we were just cut up all over our bodies. <laughs> this up. is how these stories always end <laughs> is like, and then we died almost. <laughs> we almost died. We never did that toboggan down that hill again. Uh, but we went out I the next I morning. imagine why. We went out the next morning, and it looked like a murder scene. <laughs> there was just blood everywhere. I mean, it Gross. took us hours to clean each other up, and it had snowed. So we weren't driving to town. We lived in the middle of freaking nowhere. We weren't driving to town, and it had snowed. So we probably should have gotten stitches. I still have scars from that. We, we probably should have gotten stitches, but we didn't lose an eye, and we didn't lose our nose or any other important parts. Uh, but, oh, my God, that we were scared that night, and it took us hours to clean each other up. Oh, my God. Go ahead. Literally, we're still there. I, we had our hands in front of our faces, and I. She said, "You take your hands off first, because we were expecting not to see a nose." That's weird. Um, <laughs> th this has been a lovely Friday story. So basically, don't. These blow are July Fourth stories, off. right here. <laughs> don't blow your face off, and don't slide down a hill and um, bail into a fence at sixty miles an hour. Silly. It's never going to end well, Glenn. Never. Post this picture of the nipple in the auditor's room. <laughs> I will. I'll post that next. Okay. <laughs> because, yeah, that's a classic. We, if we're grossed out, everybody else might as well be, too. I mean, Lucas looked at it and started laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I didn't know what he was going to say. He, I, he went with boobs. That was good. He was safe there. Yeah, I think he was having a hard time with what he could <laughs> what <word>? say. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> well, you enjoy your fireworks in the neighborhood there. Have fun with Thank that. You. And Thank uh, you. have a good weekend uh, with everybody.
All right, everybody have a good one. Uh, and auditors, seriously, if you've been wanting to train with Jamie, go go sign up. You know, I know it's a lot of money and it's a commitment, but you go go in on cruises and spend more than that with us. So uh, here you can go learn something and spend uh, two weeks with Jamie and the clan and the crew over at Oklahoma. At the fancy hotel, apparently, right down the street. That'd be awesome. (laughs) All right, we'll see you guys. Bye. Spade Neutergeld again. Second time.